Hi everyone, I'm Les. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Anthropotamus, where we explore some of your favorite anthropology topics. Hi everyone, welcome to our latest episode of Anthropotamus. Today we're discussing Switcheroo by Aaron Elkins. So last month we actually did um, the first book of this series. So it's, uh, what's the character's name? Oliver Gideon. It's a, it's basically like a series of 18 books about this forensic anthropologist named Oliver Gideon. We read the first one, which came out in what, like 1982, I think. I want to say that's right. Um, and we decided to skip through the whole series and just go to the last one, <laughs> which came out, I think, in 2016 called Switcheroo. So what is that? Like a 30-year difference between <laughs> the first and the last book? Um, big, big difference in the style of writing, in uh, how he presents his character. Um, but yeah, before we get really into it, Les, is there anything you want to say? Oh, man. Um, about the book? Well, let's see. <laughs> um, you know what? It is a classic mystery-style novel. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. If you if you enjoyed Agatha Christie, if you if you liked, um, like, what's a good um, what's a good comparison? Um, Sherlock Holmes, other things like that. I, I had a, a comparison in mind last night that I can't remember right now, and it was perfect. Um, but oh, he also kind of rips off Indiana Jones a lot. <laughs> you think? A, a, a bit, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it's that this character is a fusion of Indiana Jones and um, Sherlock Holmes. Do you mean because he's always getting himself in some sort of uh, predicament? That added to the fact that he is an extreme know-it-all. You know, I didn't feel like he was as much of a know-it-all in this. And we're referring to the main character. But I didn't think that this character came off as much of a know-it-all as in the first book. He wasn't as obnoxious. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I still found him pretty obnoxious. Um, not that I didn't enjoy the books. It was uh, it was something different. But it, it what I'll say is it felt episodic. And that's probably partially because we didn't read the middle books. There were bits that uh, they referenced that, like, had absolutely zero um, connection. Like, yeah, you, you had to have read those books to understand those references. And it's like, okay, so I'm this whole chapter means nothing to me. This paragraph is like a blank space. They talked about his previous wife, and I'm like, wait a minute, when did he get married? Oh, that's in the first book. He had, I think, she had uh, passed away. It's like Was in the first in the few chapters. Yeah, it's so the first few. First few, it's like the second chapter of the first book. I, I swear I read that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she passed away, and it just the first book discusses how he wasn't ready to start dating. Oh right, yeah. Sorry, I just kind of blew out my mic. <laughs> yeah, I I do remember that now. He had been talking about how he um was interested in that. Well, the woman that he met in, in where is it, Belarus? I don't remember. <laughs> well, it, 
in in the city that he was out in when he was in that book he he met a woman and um he was very interested in her but he had this initial hang up because of his previous wife mm-hmm. i guess that does make more sense now yeah well, yeah okay so there's a little more context now but uh, <laughs> i i still feel that uh, but they don't get married in their first book right no i don't okay i don't I think, think so, so. Um, I'm just like, when I read it and they brought up his wife, I was like, wait, when did he get married? I'm totally missing <laughs> something here. But, you I, know, yeah. there was 16 books we didn't read, so. Yeah, so so what we're saying is this discussion has nothing to do with the series as a whole. If you love it, I want you to keep loving it. And honestly, um, as time allows, I'll probably go back and go through it myself. Just honestly, so that I, could, I think I'm, I am. I'm a completionist, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the books. I, I, I would like to have had more time to to read them, so that I could do so at a yeah. at like my pace. Yes, but, we did uh, wait kind of last minute to finally confirm which book we were gonna do, and then we're like, "Oh crap, we gotta read this now." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but no, yeah, like I, so. I actually enjoyed the style of his writing in the first book. It, re- it really reminded me of when I was a kid and I used to spend all day in the library reading. Um, it's just, it's simple. It was clean, kind of strict, got to got to what he was trying to say. I didn't care as much for his writing in this book because you know me and I've said this a hundred times on the show, I don't like super descriptive writing. And I know a lot of people do. I am not that person. And it was just so much description of him creating a scene. Uh, Like there's a whole paragraph on them just like ordering their food. Well, okay. Let me ask you a question. Now, this this is something slightly unrelated to the books, but uh, I I swear I have a point. (laughs) When you close your eyes, okay, how about this? Close your eyes and imagine a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. like from Starbucks. Do you see an? Do you see the cup of coffee when you close your eyes? Yes. So th- that means that you're that kind of person. Uh, that, what kind of person? Oh, I think in pictures, so. Well, yeah, see, that's what I mean. There apparently has, well, I don't want to say specifics here because i don't want to um, make claims for people to to use this as as fact or truth um there have been some articles that i've read that claim some people think in images others think in words and between me and my my wife Brittany, we're we're the opposite types i'm a very image focused person i have always seen you know, very vivid images in my mind, and I can even recreate a room that I haven't seen in years for almost down to like specific details, not like an eidetic memory or anything. But I can I can have a really good picture of of you know whatever I want to imagine. I don't need a lot of description in my writing to actually visualize that which is one of my personal problems when i write i leave out descriptions because i see it and other people don't 
That's actually been my my issue going through school is because half the time I do think in pictures, not all the time, but often think in pictures, and then I have to translate it into words, and it's very difficult for me. So like in his first book, when he doesn't, I mean, he does describe stuff in his first book, but it's nowhere near as detailed as this his last book. I can easily recreate the room in my head and them sitting at tables and drinking wine without all the description Whereas this one is giving too much description and it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. So what what it looks like to me, and I gotta say, this is this goes right back to um, me not reading the rest of the books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the sixteen <laughs> books we did not read <laughs> is his first book. He was learning really how to get into the flow of things. He got his first book out there and he was still a new writer. And by the time he finishes this one, he knows a lot more about what he's doing and a lot more about what is commercially viable. And that's, you know, really what I want to focus on. This book felt more commercialized. Yeah. I I felt like he found his audience, which... yeah. He found his audience and he went with it, which is good for him. I'm uh-huh. just not that audience. Yeah. Um, but. Well, maybe you are. We haven't read the other six. <laughs> we so. haven't read the other books. <laughs> maybe if I just keep reading, you know, from the beginning to the end, I just gradually transition to his change over the years and I don't notice it. Yeah. Like a frog boiling in water or something. Like that. <laughs> what was Is that the phrase that he used? I don't know. <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. Um, But um, I'm also really curious because the first book, the the language he uses, um, the way just the main character goes into linguistics, uh, it just just seemed not appropriate. Um, You know, physical anthropologist, why would a physical anthropologist know so much about linguistics? what and the inappropriate words what am i trying to say here <laughs> what well, i think what you're trying to say is that he was a huge nerd in the book and he left some of that out in, the, in this well one. no not well yeah he was a huge nerd uh but I, he didn't do this in the last book right there wasn't all those inappropriate words i felt like he focused more on terminology and mm-hmm. knowledge related to physical anthrop or forensics anthropology um he did grow a lot in his uh, understanding and use of um, yes anthropology. Mm, but, anthropology, yeah. But I'm curious to see, like, and this is one of the main reasons that I'd like to actually read the whole series is I want to see how his presentation of anthropology changes from one book to the next because this right he started this in 1982. The terminology he uses is very representative of that time period in anthropology, and it's obviously changed in this book which he came out in 2016 so i would like to see if we can see the change in anthropology over time within his books that is actually really interesting yeah you know what we may have to make a project of this (laughs) right a whole blog post just on his yeah yeah i don't know if we'll do another episode on it Mm -hmm. unless we complete all of them but um, we can we can definitely do a project on it, g- read through them, and then kind of like see how how often he uses specific terms specific to different eras of anthropology. 
Yeah. I think like every decade we would probably see a huge change in because what 30 years I'm doing my math right right uh, yeah I think so yeah I'm not, I'm not the person years. to ask for math so over 30 years so I mean I think the anthrop- anthropology has changed a lot in the past 30 years so I mean it anthropology has changed a lot in the last 10 years That's so true. um it you know I mean I got started with the discipline back i want to say in 2013 yeah and yeah so the last 10 years and i've seen some like pretty big changes i'm not going to say it's like um paradigm shifts or or you know the Mm -hmm. world being flipped flipped on its head or anything but some some pretty big changes to the you know terms being used and other things like that you know, over the last um, 10 years. So yeah, 30 years seems like a much bigger gap to see changes in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> back to the book. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm, I keep telling you, we need to make a shirt for that one. We will. We will. I already have the design in my head. It's going to say back to the book. Uh, what else do we have to say about this book? Oh, well, it was confusing. Uh, and and that's um, that's according to the one other book that we read in the series. That's par for the course. Um, it was easier to follow than the first book. You thought so? I I I had a better time following through this book than I did when I read. The, you know uh, what? I maybe okay. So I'm I'm not gonna lie. I read the beginning. I read the end, and then uh and then I read the middle because I didn't think I had time to finish the book um so that was confusing for me um yeah that'll that will that'll do but um i felt like this was more difficult for me for me to read just because of how descriptive it was it was like i was just skimming paragraphs because it was just too much for me well it's also because i think you know your adhd is working against you there you yeah you kept losing your interest yeah, so I kept having to skim all those, and I felt like every time I turned a page, food was involved. Like, yeah, there was a lot of food. There was like, a lot of food. Like, why are you talking about food so much in this book? Like, there was that whole paragraph on them ordering tapas, and then there was like a page where John comes in with French fig Newtons, and yeah, I'm yeah, the, like, um, uh, what do they call them? I don't even remember, but it, uh, actually, it was funny. Like when I read it in my head the first time, because I first started just reading the book myself, uh-huh. it didn't seem that funny. But when I read the audio, when I was doing Audible to speed things up, and then the reader, you know, talked about that part, I actually laughed. It was yeah. funny when the the person reading the book actually like put the attitude into it or however you want to say that yeah i mean the, a good reader makes a huge difference and, and as somebody who has listened to quite a lot of audiobooks um i can say from experience that the performance can really elevate the text it if does. the if the reader is really good and a lot of times you know in, in especially in newer books You'll have the uh, the reader working with the author or corresponding with the author about specific areas and how to inflect certain you know dialogues and whatnot. That way, they can really get the best possible performance. 
he this guy did really well he did this was a good reader for this book um i have had some audibles audible books that i have just not finished reading or listening to because the speaker was just it's like they were so slow and it made it so difficult to just keep following them i've had books where they talk so slow i sped it up and then they still sounded like they were speaking slow <laughs> That's the biggest thing that gets me with the Audible books. Oh, narrated by Jeff Cummings. Who is Jeff Cummings? Jeff Cummings, whoever you are, you're a very good book reader. <laughs> now I gotta know what he looks like. Uh, Jeff Cummings. Narrator. Images. He looks uh, like your average white guy. I don't know. I keep getting lots of different... I got like three different Jeff Cummings on Google Images right now, but... Anyways. Well, he has a LinkedIn profile. Oh. Is that him? Freelance actor for hire. Audible book narrator. Yep. Is oh, he's, that... a, he's an award-winning Audible book narrator. Oh, award-winning. I didn't know you can be an award-winning Audible book narrator. He's self. He's been self-employed for seventeen years as a freelance actor for hire. Hey, you know what? He's making money and he's living his dream. I commend him. What else about Switcheroo? Um, Do we want to give out spoilers? I don't want to give out spoilers. Um, I think you'll kind of what? Okay, I thought he spent too much time <clears throat> in the beginning describing setting up what happened in the past like it was like the first five six chapters i'm like this i guy... see i disagree i that was my favorite part of the book i i felt like it considered like six chapters it could have been like three chapters it could have been a paragraph but <laughs> it would have it lost something um yeah I, I actually i i really enjoyed that part of the book it may be that i have a nostalgic side not that I was around during the World Wars or anything, but uh, I enjoyed. It reminded me of of watching old war movies with uh, with my dad, and I don't know. So that that could be it there. But once it moved back into the main story, it was a little bit dis like disenchanting for me. I guess like the stakes seemed lower. And um, at one point after like chapter three, I, I had I had a, I looked at the cover. I was like, I'm reading, I'm reading the right book, right? Because the main character hadn't showed up yet after like the third chapter. And I'm like, this is an Oliver Gideon book, right? <laughs> it just I was like, where's Oliver Gideon? <laughs> Gid. Uh, and we never did get to watch the show. It was just. But um, I watched like two seconds of it. The acting seemed not so great. I felt like it had the books had the potential to be a good show, but I felt like maybe I don't know. Based off the few seconds I watched on YouTube, it felt like maybe it wasn't the right actors or it wasn't. I don't know. Anyways, hmm. totally off topic again. Well, to to put it in a succinct phrase, the switcheroo is a perfect title. It is um, the perfect title. It, it's a little bit silly how everything happened. Uh, 
Now, it does belie the fact that there were some serious circumstances. Obviously, some people were killed and so on. But uh, when when you talk about swapping children, I mean, it can't you can't get much more uh, perfect than Switcheroo. I, I I enjoy the title for this book very very mm. much. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. There was something else that I wanted to say, but I can't remember what it was right now. Do you have anything? No, I think that's it. I mean, without giving spoilers. Although, um, he does talk about uh, aging, doing biological profile on skeleton fragments and how like the past person aged them based off the epiphyses. I mean, I thought it was nice uh, seeing more forensic anthropology stuff actually in the book compared to the first book, considering this is, he is, the main character is supposed to be a forensic anthropologist. Um, I I don't know, some, maybe because I was really tired, something about the way he described the fusion of the epithesis, I thought could have been clearer, but... Um, it seems like the anthropological information that they that he kind of shoehorns in there well he he treats it like like fantasy authors treat magic it's a spell that he uses that can solve a problem yeah and, and anthropology is not magic it's not something that you can just look and say oh well this that and whatever else maybe it kind of reminds me of uh like in bones the tv show bones when she's like she comes to a scene and starts analyzing a skull and it's like oh this is a female 18 years old and it's like you just got the skull i mean granted you can have an estimate when you first look but you probably take some time before you actually say oh this is a female and she was 18 years old and the level of detail that he goes into based on the epiphysy seems a bit stretched. Uh, I don't want to... Th- mm. Well, maybe not the epiphysy. Okay, but- no, there, when he's talking about the clavicle, I was like, and the, I guess, little animals chewing on it or something. I, don't, I yeah. was like, uh... Yeah, the, the crabs chewing off the... the uh... Yeah, I was like, is that a thing? Um, you know, Anyways... I- Anyways, I'm yeah. I'm not forensics are not my not my strong suit. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I've taken the courses, but uh, I don't have any real life experience. So <laughs> I the uh, yeah. The 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 bones are very cool, very interesting part of the the uh, discipline, but it's not where my strength lies. Having said that, what I do know lends to it. Well, it, it tends to make me think that he was hand waving a little bit and hoping that the readers didn't notice. Little did he know that he would have anthropologists reading after. Um, so I'm many sure years, he so. assumed there'd be some <laughs> anthropologists reading. No, nope. it it's a fiction. It's fiction. Plot it's twist. not real. He didn't see us coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a fiction um, book, so. I will say this. Uh, all of the cultural references to uh, to Jerry. Oh, was it Jerry or? John? It was No, 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 no. Um, the 
Which character? Uh, hold on. It was not not a character. Jersey, the the name of the island. Oh. Okay. All the references to all the cultural references to Jersey that he put in there were like almost as good as a travel guide. Like I I don't know. I haven't researched Jersey much, but it makes me want to go see it. Yeah, it made me feel like this person did. I, and I kind of feel like this is in every location, but he puts a lot of effort into either he's been there. Or he's mm-hmm. put a lot of effort into researching these locations. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, it it definitely seems like it might be somewhere that he's vacationed before. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, especially when he was talking, where were they, in Spain or something? And they're talking yeah. about the restaurants and the cruise ships and, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that sounds like somewhere he's been. And he just got interested and started writing about it. You know what? I hope that someday I get to that level of, you know what, let's just do it. Just put something on page and it worked. I, you know, we, we may not like everything about it, but it was a, it was a commercial success. He, he wrote what, 18 books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As critics, we can spew everything that we want. We can say all the, all the problems and do all this and whatever else, but he's the one who wrote the book. And he was successful at it. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And, you know, as as much as we want to criticize about it, and this is a, a bit of, um, it's a bit in fun, but as much as we want to criticize about it, it was an, an enjoyable book. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the rest of the series would be, you know, with the rest of the series context, it would be even better. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure to make a lot more sense. And I'm I'm actually more interested in reading the rest of the books to see how his writing had changed over time and then also his presentation of anthropology changes over time. Yeah. Okay. So to to sum it up from from my perspective, the change between his first book and his last book uh was pretty remarkable. He's gone from using language that we would in modern days feel very offensive to eliminating that i i feel like he kept with the times fairly consistently uh without the rest of the books as context i can't say for sure but i can say that he grew a lot as an author and in you know what it, you know in a lot of ways it looks like he grew as a as a person as well only only way to tell for sure would be to com- like completely complete or go back and complete the series in its entirety. All in all, good author, good book. Give it a read. Um, give them a read, really. Uh, I will definitely be going back to to finish the series. Yes, I think so, too. I think that might end up being a blog post. Which, I mean, there's a total of 18 books, so it'll be a while before that blog comes out. But... Yes. That's about a summer for me if I've got nothing else to do, which is never the case anymore. I got things to do even when yeah. I'm during the summer. So we'll see how long that takes me. So um, thanks for listening to the show. Hold on. Hold um, on. Hold on. We got to announce, don't we? Oh, the, the, the contest? contest? Yeah. So contest. So our mascot, our little hippopotamus with the hat. We've decided he needs a name. So let's say July 1st, we're going to start the contest. We're in June right now, right? So July 1st, contest starts. Link will be on our website, anthropotamus.com. 
How about we do it like this? We're going to have, we'll have the, um, the link open where people can put in suggestions for names. Well, July 1st contest starts. We'll have the link up on anthropotamus.com. You all give us suggestions for our hippo mascot's name. Me and Les will pick our three favorite names. Then we're going to let Twitter vote. Twitter and Instagram, we'll put it up. You guys are going to get to vote. Whoever's name gets chosen, we'll get to pick two items from our shop. So a hat and a shirt or a shirt and a mug. So yeah, I will leave that open. Maybe we'll leave it up open for about a couple weeks. We'll see. All right. So July 1st, contest, name our hippo and possibly win something from our shop. And speaking of our shop, you can go on to anthropotamus.com, click on the merch link and head over to our shop and buy some of our gear. New new designs will be coming up soon and 60% of the profits for those shirts and mugs and whatever else we're selling will go towards STEM scholarships. So yeah, till next time, see you guys. Thank you all for listening. Distribution of Anthropotamus is in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anthropotamus for our latest episodes, show notes, and book discussion schedule.